Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is May the 17th. 2019 strong hand offended by selling be a unique beast unconfiscatable one bitcoin equals one bitcoin bitcoin is the next bitcoin all right we've got an exciting lineup here today guy swan makes his debut on the show he's linked to below of course he's got a great podcast out there crypto economy then we got stefan lavera you all know him he's been on the show before he's got a huge podcast out there and he's coming in from Australia, where it's already Saturday. Wow. And by the way, Guy, Guy is in North Carolina. I don't think anyone ever has been on the show from North Carolina before. And Andrews is like across the street in Los Angeles somewhere. He's back in the he's back in the on the show. I'm obviously in Los Angeles right now. So everyone's talking about the price of Bitcoin. Oh my God, there was a surge. Oh my. But these veterans here and myself. No, no, no. We take it. We've been on this roller coaster before, okay? I mean, today there are people crying, oh, my God, it went down by a thousand. Of course it went down by a thousand. It's Bitcoin. You don't remember that, you know, a few days ago it went up by 2,000? Come on, people. Value your wealth in Bitcoin. But um, part, of the, part of the issue here that, that's going on, when everyone gets exuberant, they start yelling about, it's altcoin season. It's altcoin season also. They're expecting all this money to flow into altcoin season, into altcoins. I wouldn't bet on it, people. I wouldn't really, I mean... Don't get distracted. It's all noise. So, Stefan Levera, preach some uh, Austrian economics. Tell us about the fundamentals of Bitcoin and why perhaps you shouldn't be thinking about altcoins right now just because the price of Bitcoin went up in fiat. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Adam. So, look, a, a couple of basic things are really just that people need to consider what will be the most saleable money, right? So, that's kind of that's the way that Karl Menger explains it. And he explains how there are different commodities and they have differing degrees of saleableness. And one of those, um, I recently read an article for the Mises Institute actually talking about some of this around how we can use that Mengerian idea of saleableness to compare the different cryptocurrencies and look at, well, how durable and how permanent is the need for them. And you can see like, you know, for anyone who's been around for a while, if you think back five years ago, think of what the altcoins were back then. And if you think of like the top 10 on you know, CoinMarketCap or CoinMarketBook or any of these sites and look at the top 10 now, how many of them are still here? But Bitcoin has still remained. And there's a reason behind that. And that's the network effects of Bitcoin and the level of surety and assurance that we have that, okay, it's got a hard cap of 21 million. There will never be more than 21 million. So that is why like kind of just a few um, points around how an Austrian or what I term now the a Bitcoin Austrian view on money. That's how to think of that. So if anyone's interested, check out um, SLP 71, uh, an episode where I do like a full one hour discussion on that. He is linked to below, by the way, and the episodes are great. And I'm glad we started out. We got deep right away here. Actually, that could be the whole show right there. I mean, seriously. That's really all <laughs> you need to know about Bitcoin. The rest is like games. I mean, it's it's insane. My, they think their coin is the next Bitcoin. Look at the, the basics he just said there. I mean, network effect, 
Uh, I mean, th th these are things, very basic things people just skip over because they want to get in on the next Bitcoin. Now, Anders, you you have lots of, you've, you've scheduled lots of events in Los Angeles in the past and you are hardcore Bitcoin. You don't let the altcoiners have a word. You, you shut them down right away. What, what, what's, what do you say about this uh, recent price spike? And uh, should people uh, should people consider altcoins now? Thank you for that uh, question. That's uh, probably the, um, the the perfect question. I'm very happy that you asked that because uh, I was thinking about that earlier today. Um, I really think that uh, people's focus on news being uh, the thing that drives market it just again and again proves that 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 is not. Um, the case, like, yes, you can find single things and sometimes they have them at the same time. And then people think that that was what caused it, uh, but, but it's not. What is causing these pendulous swings of bear market and bull market? It's um, the momentum in the market, which is uh, driven by the halving. Uh, price of anything is so much um, a reflection of the supply and demand. It, it really is just supply and demand. Uh, there is a demand for Bitcoin um, because it is superior money. It's the best money the world has ever seen. But surely it, there is some um, there is some psychological mood swings in the market. Um, and it, it really starts, we've seen it, there's been two halvings before, and each time it started a little bit earlier, like the first one, I think it was 10 months out that we started seeing the price uh, increasing because um, in my hypothesis is that the miners start keeping back a few of the coins because they know one year later, there's only going to be half coming to the market every 10 minutes. The fresh supply essentially drops by 50%. Inflation is, you know, caught in half. Um, and at the same time, smart money starts buying up Bitcoin because they know that that is happening and they know that it's all about supply and demand. So they know the price will be going up. Um, and that's why the last having the second having, instead of starting 10 months out, it started 12 months out. And this time around, the, the bottom was in December. And then in January, the low was higher than December. We were 3,400 or something. Uh, so that was essentially up 10, 10%, which is you know pretty substantial, which essentially means that it's a, it was a year and four months it started out this time. Um, the, not a bull market, but an uptrend, because it tends to first be an uptrend where it goes in the right direction. And yes, there will be corrections uh, going along the uptrend and even the later like strong bull market, FOMO market. Um, corrections will happen. And yes, sometimes uh, a China band in the past, I know I'm picking up airtime here, I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet afterwards because this is the most important thing I want to say really. Um, so they can come corrections uh, later, but um, really it, it starts as an uptrend and then people are starting to understand it and get the idea and they can see which direction it's going. Once we go past the halving, you know, people start buying Bitcoin that have no idea what Bitcoin is. So it's no longer only smart money and hodlers who are buying from the salary. It's people who are buying because they see a graph on CNBC that the price is going up. And they're like, oh my God, I got to buy this because it's going to go uh, to heaven. Like trees are going to grow into heaven. But of course they don't. 
and and, and it actually it, it goes so steep in the end that uh, some people realize that okay we are overbought now this is not going to last they're going to start taking some profit uh, so it's that FOMO uh, blow off top and and then it starts going down once it starts going down um, there's going to be a lot of people that panic because they bought and they didn't know what they bought they didn't know that they bought the best money the world has ever seen that's going to be worth more than 10 million US dollars per Bitcoin once once we get there. Um, but um, it, so so th that's why it swings as a momentum in the market, in my opinion. Of course, I could be wrong, but this is how I see it. Uh, and that's where you get that bear market because it swings negative. As the price goes further and further down, more people go, oh, my God, now I'm scared. And they start selling because it gets near to that price that they bought and they're afraid it's going to go lower than that. So I think everything is driven by having. And that's why I right now is I'm super confident and bullish that because we have a having one year and five days out uh, currently, you know, approximately that can change, of course, uh, is there's nothing we can do to stop this uh, bull market. So, you know, beginning, maybe it's a, it's, it's an uptrend, it's going to turn to a bull market and then it's going to go FOMO. Um, and uh, the last thing I want to say is that because there's more money involved now, institutions going to come aboard with the fidelity opening up for, for trading and, and you know, uh, professional custody that is insured and everything, as I understand. Um, that that, that uh, front running of the bull and FOMO might happen earlier. Um, so the all-time, the next all-time high, like crossing 20,000, may come before uh, the having, where usually it comes after the having, and then uh, the FOMO top still, I believe, will come after. Sorry for taking so much time, but this it was a great question. It was exactly what I've been thinking about pretty much the last couple of weeks. No, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought it all up. Now you mentioned that. Uh, oh yeah, the 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 dumb money will come in. They'll hear about it on CNBC. Now's the time to buy it. And then they'll go to Coinbase, you didn't mention this, and they'll buy the bundle at Coinbase and end up with Bitcoin and a bunch of other things. So uh, <laughs> everything, will, everything will be pumped because of that. Now, I, I want to go to Guy. And uh, you, you've heard what has been said here. I want to ask you a specific question. Uh, we, we obviously reached the, the low was $3,100. We doubled that. Is it over? Are we not going to return there? Is, is, is that it? Guy, what's your opinion? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think it's possible. Uh, I find it unlikely that, like, usually when, you know, we find a bottom in the market, like, we, this is all old news. You know, like, these price swings have been happening the whole time, like, I've been here. And so, like, everybody's been screaming. I love how it's always, like, manipulation. Every time it's manipulation. It's like, why does manipulation have this really gradual trend for 10 years in one direction? But... Um, uh, as far as like finding a new low, like, I think when, whenever we do find a low, it's when like, there's this strong fundamental growth underneath all, like everything. And Anders was talking about how you have this huge speculative bubble on just the hype from people who come in, not knowing what they're looking at. They're just watching a price. Um, but you have this really, really strong underlying growth that's keeping it from falling to a certain point. And I think when we find the bottom is when we actually get underneath what is the real, what the real price of it is. And I think 
$3,100 honestly is underneath what I, like, I feel like there's a really, really strong base right now. Um, and a lot of people that have been talking about altcoins and hyping up so much stuff for so many years are now, now I hear them go, yeah, I should have just done Bitcoin. I, like it was really about Bitcoin. I, I see like this shift happening and I, I don't think we're going back there. Um, like we'll go down again. Like, I mean, like that's how it moves. It always does. And it's going to be 20% at a time, but no, I think, I think we found the bottom. Yeah. And again, the, some people's theory was uh, once it doubled that bottom, it would not return to that bottom. I, who knows? Um, I will say something else that Anders brought up. He talked about the miners hoarding Bitcoin as the uh, as the having approached. And that's something I learned from Tone Bays. I, I, it feels like four years ago now, I think. I, th I think that is uh, actually correct. And I want to talk about I want to, the biggest supply shock in the history of financial markets. That's a, my friend Chris Gilliard uh, came up with that. Uh, Stefan, what do you think? Do you think the, uh, that it is all about the halvings, that these miners are starting to uh, hoard their Bitcoin already? And uh, t talk about supply shock. Yeah, good question. I, <clears throat> I think historically we have seen like a bit of a slight jump just a little bit before the halving sort of like this anticipation thing. But then the other concept really is just that in the world, the number of people who are actually paying attention to Bitcoin and actually know about the halving, right? So think, you know, to our, you like us on this panel and to the listeners, you guys are probably in a very kind of elite uh group you know what the halving is you like there are so many people who barely even understand what bitcoin is they don't even understand that this halving is a thing and so it, it's it's challenging to sort of know but at the same time now we're 10 years in and then in one year's time we'll be what 11 years in or a bit bit, bit over that and there may be sort of professional money managers coming in who decide oh hey now's a good time to get in uh, as to whether the halving is what kind of drives it, I, I really don't know. I think it's more just about what's overall kind of just people just over time just seeing that Bitcoin makes more sense. It's just like that parallel upgrade scenario. So, so yeah, uh, a, a lot of people try to say the halving is priced in. I would say the halving is not priced in for exactly the reason you said that we have insider info, although anyone could have that info if they wanted it. We're elite. The people watching this show, that is, that's one of my sayings. So I say can the having is not priced in. Can and I add something? Yes, uh, please. I, I totally agree that uh, with Stefan that 95%, if not more, of people in crypto uh, are not aware uh, too much about the, the Bitcoin having. Um, but uh, all it takes really is that the miners uh, withhold a little bit of their supply. Instead of sending, selling 100% to pay bills, um, they might sell 95% or 90% uh, of, of their uh, rewards. And if there's someone that are aware of the, um, the, 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 the mining reward, it's clearly the miners. Uh, and then there's a few people as well um, that are buying, um, I, I mean, so-called smart money, you know, a little bit that are aware of, of, uh, of the having. Uh, but I think all it takes really is a, a little bit of a drop in supply and, you start seeing this. I mean, historically, if you look at the at these big, uh, you know, swings, uh, 
it, it's very much around having and plus there was in the beginning at the very early days of bitcoin where uh where it was so volatile and was so tiny and so few people um there was other tiny bubbles as well i mean they were big at the time but that were not having driven uh, but not have a having without this strong pattern someone yeah. oh sorry were you about to say something uh, yeah, I, I agree with him on that point. And I think it's actually kind of interesting, too, because um, like I have paid a lot more attention in the last couple of years to the whole stock and flow like model um, for the price moves. And uh, that's a really interesting point with the whole like miners saving coins leading into the having because they're the ones that is like they're the total. Like, yeah, maybe, you know, 95% don't know about the having, which is why, you know, obviously we don't have it priced in, but all the miners do. Like, all the miners are fully aware that they're going to have a revenue shock come whatever date that the having happens. And that's a really interesting point that they would, they would need to be holding on to something leading up into that so that they had something to fall back on essentially waiting for the kind of the wave to happen, like betting on Bitcoin, betting on the long-term versus the short-term cost. Um, so, and, and Anders is right in the fact that like, it's come a little bit early, every, earlier every time, you know, like it's been, it's been squeezing towards that date. Um, and with the base growing, that does know that that's on the way. Um, I don't know. I, I think I kind of agree that we'll probably see it a little earlier. Yeah, um, maybe not before, but earlier. Having hype, the having hype will start earlier. The mainstream media will catch on to it. But the question is, when do the miners really start hoarding it? Well, it's it's up to them. We should just know it happens. They will hoard it. There will be a supply shock. Be ready for it. It's happened before. It will happen again. These are simple things to know about people in in Bitcoin. Pound that like button. I don't think I've said that yet, have I? Anyway, let's let's go to a question that I thought was good from the chat. Wondering if the guests think that Bitcoin can shift society society's monetary time preference, or will eighty percenters always remain eighty percenters? Stefan, what do you think? Fantastic question. I really like that question. Now. Part of that is we have to understand how did we get here in the first place, right? So if we read, say, Murray Rothbard, What Has Government Done to Our Money? or Guido Hulsman, The Ethics of Money Production, we understand that actually the world we live in now is more like an aberration where in the past gold acted as some level of constraint against, against monetary expansion, meaning credit was a lot harder to come by. And then what we've noticed over the, this last hundred or so years, particularly since the creation of the Federal Reserve and central banking everywhere, right? And this, I'll just crucially note here, it's not that the Federal Reserve was the first example. If you're interested, you can look up a talk by Tom Woods. It's called Economic Cycles Before the Fed. And that also explains a little bit um, how, but what we're saying is from the creation of the Federal Reserve, that was really one of the biggest examples that created this society that we live in now where credit, we're awash with credit. And so our thesis then is that we will see a world that is more equity-based and less debt-based. Obviously, there will still be debt and there will still be credit, but it'll just be a lot less. It'll be much harder to come by. And in doing so, it will push people's time preference lower. And what we, how we see that happening is that people 
will no longer be able to push that cost through debt, right? So it means governments will be less able to use things like bond funding, right? Because right now they are able to make use of certain inflation techniques or the availability of a bond market through which they can sell their bonds, right? So in the hit, you know, long time ago, they used to sell war bonds, right? It was this idea of, hey, we need to go to war. What are we going to get the funding for that? So now governments can fund through bond markets, and that is what also gives them an easier out in terms of funding for things like the welfare state and many other things. And so imagine then if the if you took away that funding, if you defunded the government through using a harder money, then essentially what it does is it takes away some of the funding for some of these more egregious government programs. And it means that, you know, maybe it won't, it won't completely remove the government, but it will force them to become smaller. It will force their programs to reduce in size. And that will in turn drive a change in the way you and I act, because now we'll be thinking, hey, I actually need to save for my retirement. I need to think ahead. I need to plan ahead. I need to care more about my family and my community because if something happens to me, they're the ones who have to look after me, right? Whereas in this world with the welfare state, the you can be a, a complete asshole and the government will still fund your welfare, right? Whereas in the past, you actually had to care about, you know, in the past, there were these things called mutual aid societies and they would help teach you and instill the right values in you, things like self-reliance and, you know, get you on your own two feet and look out for your community. And that was a bit of a community thing. Whereas nowadays, you know, family and community and your neighborhood, these things have become less important in this idea of the state as your family and the state is your God and so on, right? Maybe the state as your God is going too far, but the state as kind of diminishing the role of the family and the community, the, you know, private voluntary interactions. And so that's sort of a bit of a longer winded answer. But yeah, if I were to summarize, yes, I think increased adoption of Bitcoin will drive a lower time preference. For some, I think, for some. But the question is, for the majority of people, I think the majority of people will still be hooked on the, they won't be able to change. I, 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 I think this is a great opportunity for, for thinking people. I really, I really do. But I think there'll, there'll always be some people that will be stuck in the, old, in the old realm. And uh, there is a little bit of irony uh, you know, from, from what you said, uh, c- c- talking, you know, c- consensus this week, the one presidential candidate that's talking Bitcoin is Andrew Yang, who wants to, uh, you know, give away, print money to the moon, basically, uh, just uh, give away $1,000 to every single American. I know it's not as simple as that, but uh, it, it is interesting. Sort of is. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it sort of is. So I, I don't know, Stefan, if you're familiar with the whole Andrew Yang phenomena here in, in, in America. So, I mean, he, he's the one guy talking about Bitcoin, yet he's the one that's definitely not uh, going to decrease the size of the state. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty clear for, from what he's, for what he's doing. Um, well, uh, other panel members, what do you think about uh, time preference? Is it going to are people going to be more long term thinkers now? Um, will will there be a uh, will most people uh, change their ways? Uh, Anders, you mind? Yeah, no, no, yeah, I okay. on, on purpose stepped, uh, kept quiet. <laughs> um, uh, I absolutely do. Um, like if you just think about like what we are, like just as creatures, I don't think, like we are, we're products of our environment. Like behavior is very, very much based on conditioning. 
And like, if you, if you do the exact same experiment with the dog of ringing the bell, like every time, like you get like food, we will salivate every time we hear the bell. Like, like we are just the same in like how we respond and how our chemicals process. And I don't, I think people like deeply underestimate the power of manipulating something that is part of every single economic transaction ever and just changing it a little bit like when when you have a when you've saved a hundred dollars and whether you totally are aware of it or not that it buys you less in a year it doesn't there's a there's a shift like you just start to like it's because it's every single time you make a transaction every single time you pay with debt instead of savings and Everything, when the government is spending money and pushing out more debt and pushing interest rates down, they're conditioning us to be okay with the credit card debt, to survive just a little bit longer with the credit card, to buy a little bit now on debt instead of actually saving for it. And that compounds. And then you have generations that no longer teach their kids to save. I mean, if you just compare the average grandparent with savings account towards the average person today – our money has completely changed our culture and how we think of like long-term versus short-term time preference. And I don't think it's, it's not conscious at all. Most of the changes are if our environment changes, if the tools that we use change, then we begin to change our behavior. We're not aware of it. And I think when we become higher time preference because we have sound money, it will just because people were instead of micro rewarded for debts, they were micro punished for debts when they're paying a real interest rate as opposed to a government subsidized interest rate. When the when prices are actually like the price of time is an actual market price as opposed to a government. Let's get a committee together and decide how much time is worth for the next three months. And I think I think manipulating money is one of the most unbelievable powers that is possible in the economy and it is specifically because you can alter the way people think about the world and their behaviors in everything they do without them seeing it um without them being aware of it and i think sound money completely changes that i think i think we would have a majority high uh low time preference economy not because people are aware or they know they should be low time preference but because Everything about what they do in savings and interactions and putting something on debt as opposed to saving for it is constantly rewarding them or punishing them day by day to be uh, to be a saver versus to be a debtor where we have the exact opposite now. Wow. So this is quite a theory here. People are going to wake up to saving. I, I like it. I like the theory. I, I hope it can happen. Anders, your, your thoughts yes. on all this. Um, really like. Uh, uh, both Stephen and, and Guy's uh, points, uh, especially, I mean, uh, Stephen's with, uh, yes, uh, with, with Bitcoin taking over as, as the hard money of the world, um, governments will be forced to spend less because they can no longer just without asking permission, uh, print more money. Uh, it has to be um, paid by taxes and if taxes are too high, people can eventually leave. Um, and uh, I, I really agree also with Guy on, on the fact that I don't know if, uh, you know, maybe not 100% of people will be rational, 
uh, and lo logical. Yeah, yeah. I know you didn't say that, yeah. guy, but, yeah. um, but but uh, when we have a Bitcoin only, which I strongly believe we will have in the 20s, um, then people will live in a world where uh, for each time they go somewhere to the supermarket or, you know, buy some, pay some regular expenses, the price actually has ticked down a little bit in Bitcoin because it's a deflationary money. Uh, when we have 21 million Bitcoins eventually, and we have value of the economy naturally going up because of productivity, then each Bitcoin or essentially each Satoshi buys more. So it is, it is deflationary. It becomes more valuable. And when people, every time they go to the supermarket, they put the same things in the, in the trolley, they have to pay few uh, less Satoshis than they did last time. They will start thinking about, you know, maybe I shouldn't go out and spend too many Satoshis because, hey, these are actually becoming more and more valuable instead of right now where um, when, when you shop, you, you, you find out that prices go up and you don't have that feeling, that incentive to, to, to keep the, the, the money or the dollar uh, safe in, in dollars. The only way that you can sort of get rewarded from saving is start getting a little bit smart with um, assets like stocks or real estate and stuff like that and unfortunately that is not for you know it's not for half the population it's not even for for 70 percent of the population uh, i remember reading that um in us 70 percent of the population has less than ten thousand dollars in savings so i mean clearly when you can get that majority of you know the population to um, you know you could be an an Uber driver and make four thousand equivalent of four thousand dollars a month, but if you only spend say three thousand five hundred, that five hundred dollars you set aside each month, you know after taxes whatever you get my point, it's going to accumulate. It's going to be compounded interest because of the deflationary um, money that Bitcoin is. So it will force people. They will majority will will start being smart and uh, and spend less you know anders what you what you reminded me of here is something that you're very well known for and i hadn't thought about it for a while hyper bitcoinization you're one of the exactly. bigger bigger fans of hyper bitcoinization that i have met so i'm gonna throw it back to stefan here and ask his opinion on hyper bitcoinization if it's really going to happen in the next decade or the decade after that and if he has any comments to say about what has just been said <laughs> yeah, no, well, great comments there by Anders. I love the um, the articulation around what we what we call growth deflation, right? So as our economy grows, you know, your purchasing power rises. The real number of things that you can buy with your satoshis increases, and that you know, in going into this idea of Bitcoinization and eventually hyper Bitcoinization is um, yeah, it's it's a possibility, right? But we have to. Uh, one of my recent episodes, actually, with uh, Safedean, we were talking about some of the different scenarios around this. And so I think one thing is this idea of like, oh, hyper Bitcoin is that like fiat money hyperinflating right now. That may not be the most likely scenario. What may be a more likely scenario is the smooth upgrade scenario, right? So governments of the world keep kind of just keeping inflation carrying on. You know, they try to make sure it doesn't go too high so that 
people don't scoot. But then over time, it's just more and more difficult for them to compete with Bitcoin. And one of the arguments Safety actually presents is this idea that one of the biggest kind of enemies or weaknesses of you know Bitcoin could just be if literally if the government went to a free market money and just put in a gold standard and actually you know stopped stepped back their monetary intervention. So uh, I think it'll it, this will be like a multi-decade thing uh, in terms of when I'm sorry I don't have a crystal ball guys um, but I think we can anticipate you know on the current trajectory if governments keep doing what they've done what they've done they will continue inflating and uh, like keeping this system that enables this inflation and people will slowly but surely upgrade over into the superior money Bitcoin and so. Uh, the way I think of it, I think uh, when people talk about hyper Bitcoinization, what they like, I think eventually that will happen, right? But that's the very end end stages. So we should think of it like Bitcoinization in you know in the short term period. And a, a good analogy for that is you know when you look at places like Venezuela or Zimbabwe or Argentina, when when they start to go through high inflation environments, what do they do? They either try and buy things very quickly because it's monetary hot potatoes. If they don't buy stuff, their value drops or they try and get out of their local currency into something like the US dollar right now. And that's where this phenomenon of dollarization comes from. And then so from our point of view as Bitcoiners, we believe it's Bitcoinization, that people will slowly but surely just go, hey, why should I you know, keep losing money to US dollar inflation? Why don't I just start purchasing small amounts of bitcoin and just stacking bitcoins so over time it'll take decades we don't have a crystal ball on <laughs> right when it will be but i think over time people will just keep stacking bitcoins or satoshis until we hit eventually this kind of bitcoinization i love it pound that like button people guy i know you've got something to say about this one second hold your thoughts for a second i'm going to get to you because i got to read the comments here the having show sent me 20 Norwegian Krona, he said he's got a new video out in an hour. Bitcoin having journey. Dude, I like you, The Having Show. You're focusing your channel on the having. What else can a man ask? So Perfect. check him out. Guy Bennett sent five. We've got all sorts of guys here today. Guy Bennett sent five bucks. He says, with Bitcoin, now it's not so much the demand, but rather the supply. Two havings in five years. Value your time in havings. Yes, dude. I'm glad you're reminding everyone that in the next five years, we got two havings. That is pretty exciting stuff. All right, uh, Guy, your thoughts on uh, Bitcoin, uh, hyper-Bitcoinization, Bitcoinization coming soon. Will it ever happen? What do you say? Yeah. Yeah, it's coming. Um, I think I'm kind of more – I lean more towards uh, Stefan in the fact that like, I think it's just Bitcoinization. I think we're going to continue to see it happen in these waves. Um, uh, but then again, you know, like you look at the debts in like the U S dollar, yeah. like it could go, it could go hyper Bitcoinization, but I think it would be more just hyperinflation of any specific currency. I don't think it would all immediately dump into Bitcoin. Um, I think it would just be part of the escape valve for like paying off the the paying off uh, the impossible liabilities that have been built up over the last you know half century or so. But um, uh, there was an interesting point that Anders added. He was talking about uh, 
because uh, I was talking about like people being conditioned to be lower time preference as opposed to higher time preference. He was talking about how like you go to the grocery store and you notice that the price ticks down. Like in six months, it's going to be a little bit less. So when you're holding the when you're holding like Bitcoin in your hand, you suddenly you suddenly stop and you think, is this worth it? Like right now? And that's immediately that's immediately showing, OK, I've got a lower time preference because now I'm thinking about to six months from now whereas today the only consideration that comes up we don't even think about the value of money we just think oh the price is going to be higher if i don't get it now then oh, i'm gonna have to do a whole lot of more a whole lot more work later um uh, but like th that's why i think sound money is going to have like bitcoin obviously um yeah, I think I think this will slowly shift and you'll start to see two different you'll see two economies. I mean, we do have we have two economies right now, um, but they will start to diverge more and more. And one, you'll just notice that people are stuck in debt. They're stuck in a rat race chasing their tails. They're trying to get back to zero. I mean, if you think about how much money is actually like value is being confiscated when like just with three percent inflation, uh, that's the target. That's the price inflation. Like if the economy got 2% more efficient over the year and then we had 3% inflation, that means 5% of the value has just been yanked. 5% of the additional efficiency and productivity of the economy has been pulled out to pay for someone who did nothing to add. Like, and so like when you have deflationary money, you have the exact opposite is the price will always go up because the economy is the the purpose of an economy is to increase efficiencies to mix ideas and to use less resources to accomplish more so by default a money that is scarce a money whose supply does not increase will increase in value if the economy is producing one extra tv or sandwich at the end of the year than it was last year with the same amount of resources um and obviously we do a whole lot better than that like things like this i mean we're having four people are talking from different corners of the world right now live on youtube like that 10 years ago like that would have been laughable you know it just i don't know like everything is getting faster and more efficient and only sound money can actually capture that value and make people think today, like six months from now, might be more valuable than today. So let me wait. Let me look at a longer time preference. Uh, and like that's why I think sound money is the most important, the most important thing for liberty and high standard of living and for sustainability than any anything. Like it's the only thing that touches all of it. You know, of offended by selling my Bitcoin. You're talking about the <laughs> you're talking about the evolution of sound money, which is a good segue into something that I wanted to talk about here because we've had different forms of sound money over time. Gold. I didn't answer. The, um, you, you mentioned that I reminded you of hyper Bitcoinization, yeah, but I never, yeah. I never said anything. I'll try and keep it short. Um, but uh, just my theory of when it's going to happen, I agree. I, I, I see right now we are in Bitcoinization, but very early stages. Nothing much is happening. Uh, few dark markets. Um, Bitcoin is being used, is being used by uh, as a hedge against uh, unsound money of dollars, euro, etc. So it's totally being used. Um, but I, I think that having 
cycles um, are with with the FOMO tops in in price um, and the market cap of Bitcoin coming to levels where um, it's really going to be a news event. Like we thought, twenty thousand was a news event. Wait till it goes either at a hundred thousand or maybe as high as three hundred or more uh, at the next top, which I believe will be in in twenty twenty one. You know, the amount of awareness and uh, consciousness or whatever in, in around the world will be much bigger than silly just 20,000. Um, and then, again, there's going to be a halving four years later. So I, I think that in, 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 in that halving where I see Bitcoin following that in 2025 will go above a million dollars a piece. Uh, it, it will be so valuable that already we left gold in the dust uh, where it came from, actually. And uh, and also it will be so clear to so many people and there will be so much media coverage on it that, um, that, that, that it's superior to the money that we've been told this money, which is only a currency. Um, it will be so clear to so many people that it's superior to currency uh, from governments that, it, 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 and it's going to be the most valuable money. It's going to be more valuable than than U.S. dollars. That uh, that's gonna that's gonna start making people run to the door, uh, the Bitcoin door, exiting the, the fiat room, and everybody's going to try and rush because they can see the prices start you know is going up in that FOMO wave. Uh, and bull market, and they want to they want to buy Bitcoin before before their fiat is going to be totally uh, without any value. Um, so um, so I see it potentially coming as early as 2025, maybe 2029, but uh, there's no way later in, in my opinion. If money is a winner takes all, uh, and and Bitcoin is 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 by far the you know it's the only contender really. Uh, the rest is is a joke. I mean, 2020s, that, again, I don't like to rush these things. I, that's a bold prediction. That's the next decade. That's the next decade. But hey, wait, wait, you that's what think it, about it. You got to think about it, though. Um, in this next having the uh, the inflation rate, the inflation rate of gold is like what? Uh, I can't, I can't. Remember. One, two, one and a half, two percent. One yeah. and a half, like 1.6 or some, some, something like that. I think after, immediately after the halving, having like we're, what is it, 1.8 or something with Bitcoin? Yeah. And then after like two and some change is when we actually cross under gold and then it drops to like at the next halving, um, it drops well below gold. Like it will be that there will be no asset that is more fundamentally scarce. Like there's there's nothing else that exists that we can't just like make more of. And so um, useful. In terms and, of yeah, money, the portable, things that you can do durable. with it, yeah, yeah. And this, like, and I this just is... have a contract that says I will pay you if something happens. Yeah. You can't do that with a bar of gold. I can't All write right. that and on a bar of gold. This is the segue that I wanted. You're perfect, and I wanted this for Stefan. Gold is it over by the end of a 2020? Uh, the uh, 2020s. I mean, someone uh, the other day there was a tweet that said. Uh, that Bitcoin will be the main uh, uh, store of value of for uh, of a non-governmental asset. It'll take the uh, place of gold. Uh, will will gold be a joke by twenty twenty nine? Or w what's going on with the gold, Stefan? Com compare and contrast gold and Bitcoin. I guess. Hello, can you guys hear me? Yes. Oh, sorry, I just cut out for a second there. But um, were you just basically saying would gold be 
kind of diminished in the role versus Bitcoin. Is that what your question was? Yeah, yeah. What's its future? What's its future for the 2020s? By the time we get to 2030, is it just going to be a thing of the past? Just uh, gold, Con considering that the new generation will be totally digital. Will Bitcoin really be what everybody always dreamed? Well, what the gold bugs always dreamed gold will would have become and gold will just be obsolete almost. Yeah, interesting question. Um, I, I think the Bitcoin bull scenario which, I mean, look, I'm a Bitcoin bull, as I'm sure everyone here is. I think it will essentially, if we're right about Bitcoin, now we may disagree on the timing, but I think if we're right about Bitcoin, then it will essentially take away what, what, what used to be that monetary premium for gold. But it, it's still an open question, in my view, because it could be that governments actually do start to reduce their monetary intervention and people then, you know, gold has a bigger Lindy effect than Bitcoin does, right? Obviously 5,000 years or whatever compared to Bitcoin's 10 years, right? Now, I, I am inclined though to still believe that Bitcoin will win. The reasons being it is, uh, it's kind of provably scarce in a way that even in the future, if people go asteroid mining, they would like find this massive stock of gold all at once. And then what's that going to do to people who are trying to store value in gold? Well, it's probably going to um, kind of kill some of that monetary premium value. And what we would see potentially is that gold would kind of drop just to its industrial use value, right? So used in computers and you know, hardware and, you know, those kind of industrial applications. So that's kind of the main scenario that I, w I think the most likely scenario. But at the same time, I, I don't know for sure, right? I think I could see a world where maybe Bitcoin is the, is the unit of account. You know, the world is denominated in Satoshis, but maybe gold still plays some role some level of role um, because there's kind of there's still enough people who believe in it there's enough people who kind of think it you know it makes sense to stockpile it so I, I, I think you know I think Bitcoin will overcome uh, but I just think there is some I, I'm not ready to kind of fully discard it right away that's my kind of thought on it you bring up an interesting point. You said that Safadine also mentioned it, that if, if government suddenly did a freaking 180 and stopped their government intervention in, in monetary policy, that would be a bad thing for Bitcoin, of course, but that would be a tremendous 180. And it is something, uh, the trend now is governments getting worse and worse in there and all governments get intervening more and more and to go to the gold standard is is a total. I, I think they don't have any incentive to do that. Yeah, I don't. I, it's a total dream. It's I a total agree. Dream. I mean, I agree now, with the see, argument, but they don't have the incentive. That's that's the thing, though, is I think Bitcoin changes that. Um, like when, like when the purchasing power of every one of those institutions, when the authority is brought in question because they secure it by their control over money. Um, it's, when that starts being brought into question, there will be some governments and central banks that aren't idiots, and they'll be like, we have to start proving, we have to start like selling ourselves with better monetary policy. Um, and there will be a whole group of people that were just like, I'm just going to buy Bitcoin if like, like, I don't care. I don't have any attachment to this anymore. I still think there will be fiat currencies. But I think the fact that Bitcoin will be a competitor in that market will mean those fiat currencies are competing to look as good as or better than Bitcoin. 
Um, and I don't think gold will go away completely. Um, I agree with both that both of y'all that um, it will lose at least a significant part of its monetary premium. But a physical commodity, like like just like the Lindy effect, we talk about like five thousand years. The fact that it is a physical thing with naturally uh, high unforgeable costliness, um, as uh, Zabo says. Um, the fact that you can't fake gold because of like like literally physics, um, whereas Bitcoin, no matter where we go, it's still software and software can have bugs, as we've seen even rather recently in Bitcoin. Um, and I think the fact that that will always be a part of it, I think gold will maintain some sort of monetary premium, uh, but... I think it will be a distant second because we're going, we're obviously, obviously going to a fully digital economy. Like, like everything is changing. Like most of our commerce is going to be online. If it's not already, I don't even know. Um, but things will change fast and the internet's not going to get, it's like, we're not going to wake up tomorrow. And it's like, the internet got smaller. How did that happen? Like none of that is going to happen. Like there is a clear, obvious, explosive trend towards everything being digital and bitcoin will be the only thing that has those properties in that world and so. and, and god willing we are all live in the year 2060 when when there is a big asteroid mining operation going on and uh, gold is yeah <laughs> they find they bring a lot of gold back to earth yeah. now uh <laughs> anders quick quick thoughts on gold you didn't give sure. up your funding with thing. bitcoin yeah um surely it'll still play some role but I, I think we just have to remember that um that 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 bitcoin have some uh clear advantages that gold are not near and and that is the fact that it's it's unconfiscatable you can't find it with a, a mining detector uh if you need to leave from one country go to another country because there's all of a sudden a dictatorship you can bring all your valuables in Bitcoin. You can't do that with gold. Uh, if you have, if you're a wholesaler in in US, you want to pay a vendor in China. It's difficult with gold, but you can do it very easily with Bitcoin. You just send it over the internet, right? I mean, so um, and also it's not it's not censorable. Uh, so uh, WikiLeaks, uh, you know, got the funding through Bitcoin, uh, even though you know. The powerful government uh, establishment of U.S. tried to shut WikiLeaks down. So it, there's just there, it has some technical properties as money that makes it superior. That, uh, in my opinion, makes uh, it clear that it will win. You know, when it comes, there's nothing in the world that is more portable. Sure, there's things that are as portable, like other cryptocurrencies, but nothing is both like has a safe a blockchain with the mining capacity that Bitcoin has is as portable as or is more portable more durable more divisible more fungible once we get privacy in there in you know one or two years um and at the same time is unconfiscatable and uncensorable so yes some come close in some areas but there's nothing there's more so fighting bitcoin becoming money of the the world the number one and only almost full 100 percent value of all monetary value um it, like fighting that is like fighting the gravity of a black hole it's a it's an uphill battle in my opinion 
Hey, that beautiful points. Pound that like button. I want to say, Guy said that the uh, asteroid mining operation will be funded by Bitcoin. No doubt about it that the first trillionaires on Earth will be uh, Bitcoin uh, holders. And they and I advise them to ad ad uh, advance human civilization and move uh, us into space and, and use some of their uh, their their Bitcoin to do that. I think it's I think it's a great great investment. Uh, what, what I want to quickly people have been sending super chats, so I got to give shout outs. Tony Traveler sent twenty bucks. He said, "Strong hands." Uh, the the Bitcoin rabbi who probably is not online right now, but was before Shabbat started. He said he sent a dollar ninety nine. He said, "Shabbat Shalom" from the Bitcoin rabbi. And Bitcoin rabbi, I got this. I got this here for you in honor of you. Look at this. And uh, let's see, Migtal uh, mentor. He sent five bucks. He said, and this is a very interesting question. Will the bubble top of this cycle be in December 20th or December 21st? The last two were in December 13th and December 17th, exactly four years apart. Will the cycle follow that trend? Dude, I I wouldn't get too caught up in specific dates. I I, I just more so the trend. More, more so the trend. I I that can't be predicted, really. I mean. That would be cool if it was that easy, and but um, I, I wouldn't worry about it too much if it happens a day before, a month before. It, um, th there, there will be a top. Bitcoin will return to it. Always returns to its all-time high in fiat. That's that's my uh, reminder. And that value your time in two hundred ten thousand block periods. You you pick a date. Always two hundred ten thousand blocks later in terms of, of fiat. Bitcoin is worth more. That has been the trend. I, I see that uh, uh, continuing. And we got uh, Guy Bennett sent, said, oh my God, what did he, there are so many comments. I got to read them though. That he spent five bucks. He said, there are much smarter than that. Why raise prices when you can just make packages smaller? Oh, well, it's, <laughs> he was, I know what he's talking about there, about talking about going oh, to the well, grocery. they do that. Yeah. The inflation. They do yeah. that. If, you, if you've been watching like the cereal boxes and, like all the little like food boxes you see, like the ounces, like, you know, Hershey's Kisses came out with those uh, uh, right when the chocolate, the price of chocolate went up. Uh, they, there was an announcement that they were going to be raising prices. And then they came out with these fluffy Hershey's Kisses and they had like three new products and all of them were like light products. Same prices, but you're getting a whole lot less chocolate because they just make it a sponge. <laughs> so that's the, that is the current uh, world we live in and how the 80 percenters don't notice the inflation that's going on. Guy Bennett also sent five bucks. He said, Anders, drop the mic. You nailed it. He did. I mean, this has been a great panel. I love this combo, baby. You got pound that like button. Robert Hardebeck sent $25. He said, Long Beach Crypto welcomes the Meister. Yeah, baby. Next Thursday in Long Beach. I didn't link to it below, but I, I've to it on my previous shows i'll remind everyone i am speaking in long beach next thursday it is going to be awesome i'm getting down there somehow through the traffic robert thank you so much for the 25 bucks and i will meet you in person i am pumped to meet you in person okay let's talk about china let's talk about china real quick china trade war is this going to be a, a spark to send some uh a, a, a safety is it going to be a place for safety bitcoin are people going to really panic over this China trade war, is it going to keep going? And are people going to flee to Bitcoin? Real quick answer. Stefan, what do you think? Uh, to be honest, I haven't been following this one as closely. I just think that, look, people are just... I, I think with Bitcoin, you can sort of disregard a bit of the politics a little bit and you can just focus on what matters to you in your world. 
um as far as i'm aware there was like some concerns about like uh, huawei and like trump putting certain sanctions or certain uh, yeah restrictions look i think it all just drives more bitcoin adoption in the long term i wouldn't expect any short-term price forms out of it but yeah that's that's my thought dudes this is why we got a guy on from australia all of us in America, all we hear is about China trade war, China trade. They're in Australia, whatever. Let the U.S. and China do what they're doing. That is all. We're going to get to Australia in a second. My other two guys are in America, though. Any thoughts on this? Or are you tired of hearing about China trade war? <laughs> okay. um, well, uh, I think um, I think yes, to some degree. I think it will be one of many, many pressures. And I think, you know, just. Just the natural status as an entrepreneur, they'll start to see, uh, they'll start to see opportunity when like there's price differences and there's ways around it, and you start seeing a source that isn't paying the tariff. Like, I don't know. I think I think it's one of a lot of pressures. I don't think it will be like some big thing. It's like, oh, the trade war is getting out of control. Everybody buy Bitcoin. But yeah, I think it'll have an effect. Wait one second before we get to Andrews on this. MGTOW mentor, do it. The top, if you if. It should be in 2021, November or December of 2021. If, if the pattern follows, then the, the new fiat all-time high will be then. Or yeah, it will it will be it by that day, it has to be more than twenty thousand dollars, in other words. If the trend continues, then two hundred ten thousand blocks after it was nineteen thousand six hundred which is basically in December or November of 2021 is when it, it, it will again be higher than that. Now it can happen before then too. And we shall see that that's part of the whole adventure in all this. It will happen though. It will have just, just, just be patient. But yeah, I, I wanted to do a follow-up on that. Andrews, I don't know if you have anything to say about China or anything like that. Do you? Um, uh, yeah, to be honest, um, uh, I'm not really sure what the mechanics are uh, when it comes to, a, a trade war making people uh, more interested in, in Bitcoin all of a sudden. I understand this thing about safety, but if already you really understood Bitcoin and saw Bitcoin as a hedge against everything, why would you not already have bought the amount of Bitcoin you wanted to buy? Um, so I, I, I don't really, yeah, please, you, maybe you can tell me the, the, the reasoning. A theory is, is if, if this trade war continues, that the economy of China will completely fall apart, will fall apart in a major way and wake up a lot of average Chinese people. They'll be like, yo, we got to divert. We got to get out of this situation right now. And they'll discover Bitcoin. I, I think I think if, the, if it proceeds in that direction, we could have a lot of new Chinese buyers. I, th I think that's theoretically right. possible. Uh, okay. My comment on that is I don't think it'll go so far that, that China um, – as far as they have come now, will will come into a major collapse. I, I don't think that will happen. Okay. Okay. That's that's not my expertise. Yeah, de definitely. It's definitely a legitimate opinion, though. That uh, yeah. I mean, they they will do whatever it takes so they do not have social upheaval, which would prop would mean to avoid their social upheaval, they would give in to Trump's demands and be dishonored. But they still might do that, so they don't all get killed. The Communist Party doesn't get uh, ripped down. All right. Let's talk about Australia real quick, since we uh, Stefan. What, you said you had some news, some crypt, some Bitcoin news out of Australia. We want to hear what's going on down there. Oh, of course. Well, thanks for the opportunity. So, look, I think there has previously been a big altcoin kind of, and blockchain technology communities going in in Australia, and at least in Sydney and in Brisbane, there's been somewhat of an, a reinvigoration of the Bitcoin scene. 
of the Bitcoin scenes. So uh, one of my past guests, Alex Svetsky, the CEO, co-founder of Amber, he's kind of trying to revitalize the Bitcoin meetup up in Brisbane and down here in Sydney. We're actually trying to do, get get the meetups going a little bit more, and actually some of the focus now is more like Bitcoin only, no altcoins, no blockchain technology, right? And so actually next week we're having a meetup with. Um, uh, so if you if you guys know Hass McCook, so I think yes. he might have been on your show in the past. Yes, of and course. so he'll be. Yeah, so he'll be doing a demo of the, and it'll be, and this meetup will be about nodes right so it'll be um house mccook will be demoing the casa node i will be just doing a bit of a talk about the noddle which is another full node product and then also jp or john pratt um he'll be doing a talk about using blockstream satellite and doing a, trying to do a bit of a quick demo for the guys there at the meetup as well so i think there's a bit more momentum around this idea of bitcoin and trying to build a proper bitcoin scene and we're actually even it's probably too premature to announce anything, but we are sort of chatting about ideas of trying to do a Bitcoin conference as well. So that might be maybe later this year or early next year here in Sydney. So um, keep your eyes peeled, guys. Like uh, follow, you know, follow some of the guys and see, um, get an update on uh, what's happening with that as well. Well, first of all, keep us, please keep me updated if you're going to have an event down there because I was hoping to get down to Australia in October. I, I did want to go in, spend some time in Australia in October, November. It's not official yet, but we shall see. So I love if there was an event down there. Wow, I could, I could go to it. Now, I, I do want to say you, I, I like to hear that like in, uh, like in Canada, there's some people leading the way to you know get off of the altcoin blockchain train, just trying to clarify things with Bitcoin. That is great to see that going on in Australia. Now, with that being said, um, I wanted to segue into something that we, we I linked to it below. There was a, a, a tweet thread by uh, the VJ uh, out in Seattle about, uh, you know, there's the, the trend now for exchanges is to have so many altcoins on them right now. Okay. And it's becoming a pain. Um, exchanges are becoming quite a pain too. Bittrex is just to impose some new KYC and um, it, what, what what VJ said is that the real big winners in the cryptocurrency space will be the ones who build their businesses really around Bitcoin and that these exchanges should try to go the financialization route and do kind of complicate matters with Bitcoin. But those will be the real winners. Stefan, that, that thread I sent it to you, did you have thoughts on it? Oh, yeah, I think it's a great thread by VJ. I think he shows a lot of prescience and foresight. And I think, to be fair, many of us kind of hardcore Bitcoiners, we, we would agree with him on this, that really a lot of these exchanges have tried to go for the short-term win. Some of these exchanges, and I mean, in fairness to them, they have other pressures on them. So maybe, you know, some of these places like Coinbase and so on, they probably have VC investors who wanted to package it up for sale or to kind of get a return on investment now. They weren't willing to sort of play the long game with Bitcoin and build properly up, build vertically in Bitcoin to try and help enable deeper and deeper financialization and build more and more on top of Bitcoin. And instead, they just spent all this time and engineering effort building support for altcoins, right? And so in doing so, they became more like a gambling altcoin casino as opposed to really understanding the depth and the nuance and really the the gravity of what's happening with bitcoin and how it could you know these company and i think the point vj makes in that thread is that if these companies actually took that really long-term view they could become like 
you know, the JP Morgans of the next century, right? Not JP Morgan in like a bad way, but they could become like a big, <laughs> big bank institution, right? They, you know, we could have seen like massive, you know, uh, in a good way, like full reserve Bitcoin banking. And we could have seen all these kind of other products of people, you know, I think VJ makes a couple examples there around things like, okay, margin services, futures trading, collateralized derivatives, for example, allowing anyone with Bitcoin to buy stocks, right? And so there are other companies, and he points out here in this thread that there are other companies who are taking a little bit more of a Bitcoin focus and that they're really trying to build that vertical. And so what VJ is trying to say there is that, people who are building vertically in the stack as opposed to kind of building horizontally and becoming an altcoin casino, they're the ones who are going to be the long-term winners. So fantastic thread, and I recommend your listeners check it out. And you, you did a beautiful explanation of it. Um, uh, Anders, you wanted to talk about that with the thread too a little bit, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, uh, it, I, I think, uh, yeah, great thread. Um, and uh, essentially, the... the the Bitcoin casinos, I guess, uh, they might believe that there will still be a, a, a future uh, for trading between Bitcoin and Bird, which I guess none of us really do. Um, so, I mean, their product, what they're offering as a product are, are these all coins um, where, where uh, places like uh, BitMEX um, with leveraged products uh, on Bitcoin or Deribit, uh, which is um, uh, options trading on Bitcoin, uh, it is the uh, vertical uh, integration or, or expansion. Uh, so I think essentially it's it's two different. I mean, they, you can call them exchanges, but it's really only the uh, altcoin exchanges that are exchanges. The others are more derivatives markets, right? It makes us more of a derivatives market than it is a an exchange, uh, we just kind of have like always called them uh, exchanges, uh, I guess. Um, so, uh, and yeah, I, I think the, the ones that are just trading between different coins right now, because in my opinion, not only will the, uh, you know, the old coins go very close to zero percent of total monetary value, fiat current, like there's not all, also there's not going to be a need for an on-ramp from fiat to bitcoin and back to fiat i don't see a big need for that uh you know i see it in the 20s even if it comes 15 years from now uh there that need is also going to go away so there's only going to be a need for a, a market where you can do something with bitcoin a der derivatives market for bitcoin and probably tokenized assets to some extent um not saying that that is a fully developed uh, Good model there yet uh but um yeah that's my thoughts all right now we're, we're going to go to guy if you have any thoughts on that guy i want you to share them and and give your conclusionary remarks because we're getting toward the end and tell us about the magical crypto conference and tell us anything you want to tell us about north carolina so that's a lot right there <laughs> that's a lot that's a long list so i'm gonna see if i can remember it okay um first with the whole building verticals as opposed to horizontal like i think bj had a great point um and you gotta think too like in a like the space moves so quickly. Um, like as soon as you start expending like heavy resources to, to broaden your altcoins, you hire employees that specialize in altcoins, you're doing maintenance on, you know, 120 different tokens, like your whole business becomes designed around keeping that alive. And then at the same time, you're also attracting altcoin customers. 
And when the altcoin customers are just like, just throw up their hands, they're like, well, this isn't working anymore. Um, like now you're trying to fight to get the Bitcoin customers, whereas whoever built Vertical has all the protocol upgrades. They've got SegWit, they've got Schnorr, they've got all the things that start coming out on the protocol side. And then they've built financial instruments on top of it. They've spent the last two years building out the infrastructure to make Bitcoin vastly more usable and um, more applicable on their platform um, so or more versatile. So yeah, the now, now they're looking at like, do I go with this like altcoin exchange that's trying to shift gears and firing these employees and hiring these guys? Or do I go with the guys that have been here for two years and have built out this amazing thing and is not trying to catch up, but they're already ahead of everything? Um, so I completely, I completely agree. I think, uh, I think that will have a big effect. Um, as far as the, the MCC conference, uh, that was a ton of fun. I did miss most of the lightning talks on the first day uh, because, well, I, I feel like it was a good trade-off because I was at Pierre Richard's programming lightning workshop. So I did get to play lightning all day, which is what I wanted to do. Um, but I went to the after party that night and really that was the, uh, that was where I had the most fun. I got to meet like so many people. Um, I chatted with like one of the first people I bumped into was Aaron Von Wordham. And that guy's like my hero. I read everything that he writes. Uh, so we ended up talking for like 20 or 30 minutes. Um, and I mean, I met so many people. Uh, I had an absolute blast that night. I drank way too much. If you, I'm not sure I have a whole Twitter thread, uh, posted like the next day of all kinds of, all kinds of nonsense. And I looked manic in the pictures later on in the night because I was, I was drinking some free drinks. Um, but the second day was there was a lot of fun stuff, and honestly, my um, I think my one of my favorite talks was uh, one that I wasn't expecting. I was just kind of casually strolled into this one was Jill Jill Carlson's on the difference their work. What's their what's their thing called? Open Open Money something. God, I can't remember what it's called. But uh, she had a really great talk on the difference between like the narratives they had going in, like like feet on the ground, like for what's happening in Venezuela and then how the truth ended up being a lot different um, is, is where the narratives were wrong. Like we had these ideas that, Oh, everybody's going to use Bitcoin um, because the boulevard is crap when really like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to give it away because I think she's got like a really good thing there, but there was, that was a really good talk. And I was kind of surprised by that one because um, I wasn't expecting that one was just kind of a out of left field for me. Um, well, and uh, North Carolina, anything going down in North Carolina? We don't hear much about meetups. meetups. Um, we've been having a lot of fun with the meetups. I've been trying to trying to get back into the meetup space again, um, because I haven't been for a really long time. I've just kind of been focusing on the podcast. Um, and uh, but yeah, we got um, I don't know. There's definitely growth. Um, like I'm seeing that excitement come back. Like it feels like we're moving back into bull territory it feels like it did in the past when uh that was happening and a bunch of the guys actually out at the meetups went to new york so i ended up meeting up with a bunch of them out there too um but the excitement's coming back like right. i think i think we're moving back into that so in yeah. in motion now remember guys check him out check guy out he is linked to below Just listen to his podcast it is good 
Um, and he, again, he he is definitely linked he to both. Good. You mentioned you mentioned Aaron von Weirdum. He has been on the show before. I will have to arrange it that the next time you're on the show, maybe he'll be on the show too. That would be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, that would be that'd be a good that'd be a good combo. All right, Stefan, your conclusionary remarks. Anything you wanted to add? Anything that was left out? Anything you want to say, man? Yeah. So look, I think um, it's look we maybe. Uh, maybe echoing some of the thoughts of someone like Tua Demista, right? So he recently came out with that report of Bitcoin in accumulation and so on. And he was basically saying, he was basically calling it somewhere in that sort of 3,000 to 6,000 range was kind of like, really, that's the bottom. And he was saying, you can't necessarily pick the exact bottom, but if you kind of know that roughly based on on on-chain analytics and so on, that's probably one indicator there that we're not likely to go back below 3000 at this point it's probably that's probably going to be the true bottom and we're just going to kick along sideways for a little while and if you think back to how um january 2017 sort of thing played out it was sort of like that you'd see a little bit of a jump and then a drop and then you know it sort of kicked along for a while before kind of the big run towards the end of 2017 so i think the other lessons for the listeners are really just don't don't get too impatient right you just gotta you know bitcoin is just gonna do what bitcoin does and we can't kind of expect it to run up at certain times you're better off just trying to slowly accumulate and really invest in your knowledge and your education right so you know and that's really the focus i bring with my podcast as well so if your listeners are interested make sure you check out my podcast i really try to bring a bitcoin and austrian economics focus and the idea is that you know we all want to try and we can all do better and we can all try to learn um learn more about the economics and the technology of bitcoin so i think um you know you do some great work adam in terms of helping uh get the word out there and guy you do a great job with crypto economy and stuff and you know so you know i think uh, yeah so for the listeners it's it's just a matter of finding who who you like to listen to or watch their content or go to the meetups as anders you organize and just trying to learn more and um become more knowledgeable about bitcoin because we think over the coming decades it's only going to be more and more important don't FOMO on altcoins, people. <laughs> How about that, too? Don't get distracted. Watch, listen to these guys' podcasts, seriously, and your hand will be stronger, and you will be in motion. And so we're going we're gonna to leave it with Anders here, who, uh, dude, how's MathBot coming along? Do you have any news? Um, you, you, know, you know JW. A lot of people love JW. A lot of people – well, anyway, <laughs> take it away. Take it away. Um, uh, well, that's talking along. I'm not very involved uh, at the moment because I just um, didn't really have time uh, lately. I'm, I'm involved in some other things, um, but not really Bitcoin related uh, because I do have uh, living expenses, so I can't really work too much for free. <laughs> um, and um, uh, yeah, what, what I would say as a closing remark is uh, for anyone like if they're playing with uh, uh, leverage like really don't get greedy um i for the fun of it um i like history so i i, I sat and looked at um the 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 price of bitcoin from one year before the having last year and until the 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 fomo top and before the having there was two times it actually had a correction like around 41 percent you know, so don't be surprised if that happens. That could happen now, between now and um, and and the having. Although I would say that I expect that because the volatility is less, the market is more mature. 
uh, it, it, it'll probably be less than that. Uh, and then after that, uh, from the having last time until the FOMO top of 20,000 or 19,200 or whatever, um, there was six corrections of 30% or more. So, you know, have a strong hand, uh, pound the like button and uh, don't freak out. Just uh, uh, hang on and uh, be in it for the long run. Um, this is not about necessarily making a financial gain. It's about changing the world to a better place and it will happen. It is a roller coaster. I, I love it. patience, deferral of gratification, offended by selling. Okay, that was a legendary freaking episode, dudes. I'm gonna have to watch it. Right. Something real quick. Might yes. Something real fast. I just want to yes. add um, because uh, if if you haven't heard about my show, the Crypto Economy Podcast, um, actually the main format that I do is like there's so much content out there written. Uh, I actually do like mini audio books of like all the articles and Stefan actually mentioned Tur's awesome piece, the, the Bitcoin and heavy accumulation. Uh, he was actually like totally excited about it. And we uh, I actually read that one on the show like a week ago or something like that. So if you want to listen to that in audiobook form with my commentary, it's on the show and I'm at like 250 articles uh, plus some solo episodes and some interviews. But yeah, that's the Crypto Economy podcast if you haven't heard of it. Dude, that is awesome that you you read that whole report because in yeah. order to get that report, you had to sign up and I didn't want to do that and the other people didn't <laughs> want to do that. So check out his podcast. That was, a, that was a really good idea. In motion. This was a great time. Everyone, Guy Bennett just sent two bucks and he said, thank you, Guy, Stefan, and Anders. And I say the same. Dudes, you rocked. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Remember to subscribe to this channel, like this video, share this video, pound that like button, bang that bell button. We're here every Friday with this show. I do a new show every single day. I'll be back late on Saturday night for you East Coast people and probably West Coast people. So thanks a lot, everybody. Shabbat shalom, and uh, <laughs> see you soon. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.